the next few months, we're going to, um, we're actually looking at questions. It's interesting, that's kind of how kind of God wanted us to kind of close out worship with this kind of acknowledgement. Hey, there are loads of questions that we all have. Um, but we want to take the next couple of months um, actually to look at questions that Jesus asked. Um, so if you read the Gospels, Jesus asks absolutely tons of questions, hundreds of questions. Um, you know, and like good questions are massively helpful. Good questions are brilliant. I'm learning more and more to really appreciate good questions and really value people who will ask me good questions. You know, not kind of closed, how are you and the kids questions that don't give you much, but actually questions that are going to, where people are leaning in and they're going to require a little bit more of me. Honestly, often kind of, I think people are going to lean in and ask good questions. Questions are sometimes often more helpful than people who are just going to come with a whole lot of good answers. Actually, questions are really helpful. They're not always comfortable, um, a good question is often actually not comfortable, um, but they're always valuable. You know, questions provoke us, they challenge us, they bring real strength to relationships and they make, they make me think a little bit deeper and kind of look a bit more broadly at a situation maybe. Ultimately, I am absolutely convinced that questions help us move forward. You know, and we, if you've been knocking around with us any length of time in my life, you know, actually we're really, we're really interested in asking ourselves, actually, who are we becoming and so for that question, who are we becoming? There's a whole raft of other questions that are going to be super helpful on that journey of um, that journey into maturity, which is what we're after. There's a guy called Naguib Mahfouz, who's a Nobel Prize winning author. I've read nothing he's written other than I found this quote, which I really liked. Um, it would make me sound really highbrow, wouldn't it? I'm reading Egyptian prize winning authors. I'm not. But this is a good quote. You can tell whether a man is clever by his answers. You can tell whether a man is wise by his questions. Yeah. And listen, Jesus asked a whole load of brilliant questions. He's the wisest one who ever was. Um, and he asked brilliant questions. And so over the next couple of months, we're gonna, we've pulled out some of the really good questions. Um, they're all really good, but some of the really specifically meaty questions that Jesus asked. So we're going to be asking them of ourselves. Um, I, want to ask, I want to look today at um, the most important question that Jesus actually can ask any of us. And it's a question that he asked Peter. And we find it in Matthew 16. Um, let me give it a little bit of the context. So Peter, we've talked about him this morning. He's one of Jesus' disciples. He's one of the first disciples Jesus kind of calls to follow. So Peter's a fisherman. And one day he's on the beach sorting out his boat in the nets. And, um, and Jesus comes along and simply says, follow me. Um, and, and Peter says, yeah. He said, the Bible says he leaves everything and follows Jesus. Now, this, it, I he can't have known exactly what he was signing up to. I don't think he can have known really in fullness who Jesus was, who he was following. But he, classically, Peter, size, Peter style, he's like all in. Um, and so by the time we read this encounter we're going to look at this morning, he's been following Jesus actually for a while. He's seen him teach. Um, so, you know, an awful lot of the teaching we read in the beginning of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, where um, Jesus kind of teaches about and explains about this kingdom and this way of living that is just completely upside down to what everybody expected. So Peter's been around Jesus' teaching. Um, he's seen miraculous things. He'd seen numbers of people get healed. He'd um, seen dead people get raised. He'd seen Jesus calm a storm, literally just by speaking to it. He'd seen um, thousands of people 4,000 people on one occasion, 5,000 other fed with five loaves and two fish. So he'd seen crazy miraculous things and he'd even been on his first ministry trip so actually he'd already Jesus sent out the disciples said right you lot now you go and do it you go and pray for the sick you go and do this stuff um, and so Peter had been following Jesus and been around Jesus for a fair while by the time we we kind of come into this encounter in Matthew 16 and so he'd seen enough of of Jesus and what kind of 
heard enough of what Jesus said and seen enough of what happened when Jesus shows up to obviously be start to get the idea of, hey, Jesus, he's not just a smart teacher or a guy with some, you know, a spiritual man with some interesting philosophical ideas. He's clearly kind of been on this journey of there's more. Um, but in kind of people at large, there were obviously multiple varied opinions on who Jesus was. And this is so where we find ourselves in Matthew 16. I'm going to read in verse 13 for you. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So this is one of, you know, one of the most profound encounters in Peter's life, this kind of this conversation face-to-face with Jesus. But, and I'm convinced that this central question, who do you say that I am, is a question Jesus still asks all of us today. All of us. And not, it's, not a, it's not a one-off question he asks us at some point. I think he's constantly asking us, who do you say that I am? And it's an, it's an individual question. So he's like, hey, I, you know, Peter says, listen, some people say you're this, some say the other. And Jesus is like, that's, okay, that's great. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I've, listen, I have way more questions than I used to. There's so much more I realise I don't know than I do. But one thing I'm absolutely sure of, all the other questions that I have are going to find their answer. I'm going to line up and everything will flow from me being able to answer that primary question. Jesus saying, who do you say that I am? When I've answered that, then everything else flows. Every other question will come into clarity, will find its answer when that primary one is asked. Um, it's like, it's like the first building block in anything else that I want to see built in my life. When we come to see and believe and are able to say, Jesus, you're the son of God, and able to say, you know, the work that you've done on the cross has restored me to relationship with God, that needs to be in place first. Who do I say that he is? Paul sort of points at this in um, Colossians 2. This is verses 2 and 3. And he's kind of encouraging the church. He says, May your spiritual experience become richer as you see more and more of more fully God's great secret, Christ himself. For it is in him and in him alone that men will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in him, it's in Jesus and only Jesus that we're going to find all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge and the answers to every other question that we are asking or the world is asking us. The answer is found in Jesus. That's what we need. And that's what Paul's praying for the church, that actually their spiritual experience will become richer. And the way that it becomes richer is that they more and more fully see Jesus, this mysterious, wonderful, amazing promise of God, Jesus. It's in him and him alone that every man, woman and child is actually going to move into everything further. And so we see that with Peter. And, and I, I love this interaction because it's, it's not that just that Jesus, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, yep, good one. And off he goes. Like Jesus is not just interested in Peter having the right answer. He comes straight back with saying, that's great. 
You're saying that, you know, it's like Peter tells Jesus who he says he is and straight away, Jesus comes back in with, okay, now let me tell you about you. And like, that's God's heart. Like he's not wanting people who just have the right answers and have, you know, have the right things to say back to him. He's interested in relationship and conversation. It's what we see here. It's amazing. So straight away, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter says, you are the Christ or the Messiah, which means the promised one. So it's the one that, you know, the Jewish people knew that actually for centuries and centuries, God had promised that he was going to send someone to, to make a way for sins to be forgiven and the kingdom of God to be restored. They knew they were expecting someone. So when Peter says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, he's saying, hey, you're, you're the one. You're the son of the living God. And straight away, Jesus comes back and says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't even prevail. So straight away, he comes back with, answering two of the primary questions that I think all of humanity are asking. Who am I and what on earth am I here for? Right? It's identity and purpose. We want to know, that we like we want to know those things. And this is what Jesus answers straight away on Peter's confession, Peter's answer to who do you say that I am? Jesus comes straight back with saying, hey, this is who you are. This is your identity. You are Peter. And he actually changes his name. So he goes from being Simon to being Peter. And the, the translation of Peter, name means Petrus in Greek. It means the rock. So it's kind of this play on words. But he's like, he's giving him a new name. He's kind of, he's affirming, this is who you are. And this is what I've called for you to do. Actually, I'm going to build my church. Actually, my kingdom is going to come. And I'm going to give you some keys to be involved with that. So straight away, who am I? What am I here for? Becomes answered out of our response, once we have made that response to who do we say that he is. And listen, my testimony in 35 plus years of following Jesus is, is that actually we increasingly find out who we are and what we're here for in the light of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Like this, I don't know any other way of finding the answer to those questions, but that's my journey, is as I've tried to stumblingly follow Jesus, actually I've become clearer and clearer, and I'm not there yet by any stretch. But actually, I'm more aware now of who I am and what I'm here for because I'm more sure of my answer, my answer to Jesus saying, Sarah, who do you say that I am? And what does that look like? But it comes out of this first question being answered. And it's amazing. Jesus is really clear. He says, Simon, you are, Peter, you are blessed because this answer, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. So he's like, listen, it's not that you've, kind of thought and considered and, and rationalised all this out and kind of studied and hey listen and all of those things like studying and thinking and talking and praying really like all really really good I'm not in any way saying that's not but but Jesus is saying listen this revelation this kind of eyes opening to okay you are the son of the living God you're the Messiah that hasn't come about through flesh and blood Right? It's equally not come about because you've heard everybody else's opinions and you've kind of debated, well, they say that you're Jeremiah and some say you're Moses. And like, it's not that through, you know, kind of, although there is a place for talking and hearing other people's stories and asking questions, I'm, I'm, all, I'm up for that entirely. But when it really, really, when everything else is stripped away, what it really all boils down to is Jesus said, this has been revealed to you by God. Like it's this kind of, it's a spiritual revelation where God just opens our eyes to, oh, that's who Jesus is, right? And there's a, there's a place for conversation and all the rest of it. And it's, the, Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He is. And, and, and Peter has kind of been walking with him and following him and seeing some stuff and hearing some stuff and I'm sure thinking and talking and I'm sure the disciples were kind of kicking it all around. But, 
fundamentally for us to come to that place of being able to say who Jesus is. It is a revelation from God. And so, listen, I want to encourage you. You might be here and you absolutely wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. Um, and, and your answer to, you know, if Jesus asking you this morning is, who do you say that I am? You know, your question might be, I have not got the faintest idea. And that is really, really fine. It's absolutely fine. But I want to encourage you. I, I think, honestly, that probably would have been Peter's answer when Jesus first called him on the beach. Like he did, Jesus didn't ask him the question then. He just said, follow me. But if he just said, hey, follow me, who do you say that I am? I bet you Peter was like, I have no clue. I have no clue. But he just kind of, kind of almost sensed something. And so he walked with Jesus. He kind of walked towards Jesus. He hung out with Jesus' friends. And as he did, he gradually got to this point where God revealed, hey, this is who Jesus is. And I want to encourage you that actually that could absolutely be your journey. You know, that's Even the testimony we heard Ian's journey of actually even only a few months ago saying, him being able to say yes to Jesus it's because he'd kind of, he'd followed after him and he, he'd kind of hung out with some of Jesus' friends and that's us. And, and it, but gradually, gradually, but there's that moment where God just brings that revelation of, hey, this is who Jesus is. And then that requires a response. But listen, I, I want to encourage you, let's not be a people, whether we would call ourselves Christians or not, let's not be people who sit and wait till we've got it all figured out and we kind of feel like all, the, you know, all our ducks are in order, we've got all the pieces of the puzzle and we've kind of got most of the answers lined up. And, and then, okay, then we're in. Then we're going to follow Jesus. Like, let's like, be with Jesus. Let's follow him. Be with him. Because all our other answers lie with him. But we need to go with him. But that's the deal. And so I want to say, listen, if you're not a Christian here this morning, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm really, like, I want you to know God is so okay with you being like, I don't know. I'm so aware of so many other opinions, so many other paint pictures of Jesus that have been painted. I don't know who he is, like, um, for yourself and that is totally fine but I want to encourage you there is a beautiful journey ahead of you um, actually finding out who he is he is the promised one who actually has he has restored us to relationship with God because we were made to be in relationship with God the Bible says that we are made in his image like we're made to bear the image of God like there's such value and dignity and purpose on humanity because we're made in his image but the thing is we don't always live up to that like stuff we say and we think and we do, we get it wrong. And the Bible calls that sin. And that causes a separation between us and God. But he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to deal with all of that, to forgive our sins and, and reconnect us and restore us for relationship with God. And that is who Jesus is. Like that's my fuller response to, Sarah, who do you say Jesus is? He's the one who forgives my sin and restores me to relationship with God, who sets me up again in my identity and my purpose as someone who bears God image and is called to actually see his kingdom worked out on this earth. That's who I am because that's who he is. And see, this is actually, this is what our guys who got baptized this morning, we had four people in the first service, three people this service. They've, um, I guess they've made quite a public answering of that question for us to say to them, all right, Ian, who do you say Jesus is? Like he's, you know, they've been nailing their covers to the mask, if you like, saying, actually, this is who Jesus is for me and I'm going to commit to following him. That's what they've been doing. But I don't think that question that Jesus asks all of us, who do you say that I am? I don't think that is a one-time question he asked, you know, when we became a Christian or, you know, at our baptism. I am convinced that that is a question that needs answering every single day in every single situation and season of life. So that, yes, there's, you know, there's been a very public answering of that question from our guys getting baptised this morning. But listen, 
there's a very public answering of that question that needs to be given tomorrow as well, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and on Thursday. It's just as important what my answer is to that question tomorrow as it is today. Because I, because my answer to that question actually brings some requirement and some responsibility. If I say, you know, who do I say that he is? I say that he is Lord, I say that he's Saviour. All right, that needs to look like something. It has to be something I live, not just something I talk about. Right? So my money, my bank balance. Jesus looks me in the eye and says, Sarah, who do you say that I am? And what am I going to do about that? Right? With sex, with politics, with response to the poor, with how I spend my time, how I raise my kids, how I deal with people in authority. Sarah, who do you say that I am? Okay. What does that need to look like? Right? When there is breakdown in relationship, when someone offends us or hurts us or lets us down, Sarah, who do you say that I am? Well, I, I say that you're Jesus, who's forgiven sins, who's forgiven me and washed me clean and restored me to relationship and says to me, hey, reconciliation is really important. And actually that I'm to forgive us, so that he's forgiven me. All right. Sarah, who do you say that I am? So what does that look like in that relationship? Right? It's, it's challenging. Like that's actually, there's a challenging answer to that question. Actually, maybe, in what some, maybe some of you here are sick. You have pain. You're not well. Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? And listen, he, I am absolutely convinced. He's not asking that question with a wagging finger because he needs you to say the right answer. Who do you say that I am? It's not. He asks that question with an open hand. Who do you say that I am? And why don't you come? It's always an invitation to come walk with him. Like the Bible says in Hebrews that... Um, it says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He is the exact representative of God. So anything that we read in the Bible about God is true in Jesus. So if I'm sick, like the Bible says that he heals all our diseases. It's one of the names of God. It's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. So who do we say that he is? I say he's healer. But what do I do when someone around me is sick or, you know, who do I say that he is? Do I say that he's a pharmacist and here we are, have some paracetamol? Or actually, do I say he's healer? Can I pray for you? What about when I'm, what about when I've, when I've made a complete mistake? What when I've blown it? When I have let myself down, I've let other people down and I've sinned. Give it the Bible word. Like, who do I say that Jesus is? Well, I say who he is in terms of what it says in the Bible, which is that he is, he's the redeemer, he's the restorer, he forgives all of my sins and washes me from all unrighteousness. So that Colossians 1 says, I can stand before him holy and blameless without single fault, which is ridiculous, but that's who I say that he is. So when I blow it, Jesus is saying, Sarah, who do you say that I am? Not threateningly, Sarah, who do you say that I am? Acknowledging, Sarah, that was a real mess, but who do you say that I am? Because my answer does not then give me the right to kind of, kind of hide away in shame and disconnect from God and disconnect from people and disqualify myself from what he's got for me because I made a mistake. Because who I say he is matters and then needs to look like something. What about when I'm not maybe making a mess? What about when I'm smashing it? I am winning at life and I'm doing a killer job at everything. I'm like super wife, super mum, super everyone. It doesn't happen. But what if that did? What if on the days when I am killing it, who do I say that he is? I say that he's saviour and Lord, and I'm not. <laughs> he's king. He's sovereign. 
And I'm as dependent on him in the days when I'm winning as the days when I'm making an absolute mess of things. Who do I say that he is? It really matters. Who I am and how I live absolutely is in response to and out of my answer to the question of who Jesus is. So in all those questions, in any situation that life might throw at us, I think Jesus is asking us this question. Who do you say that I am? And listen, life and the world and other people are going to throw really tough questions at us. It is hard when we're sick, when we're suffering, when there's injustice, when things aren't going right. Like actually, the world will ask us some really, you know, why do you believe God? Why would you trust God? Why would you trust people? Why would you risk relationship again? Why would you give to the church when you're fine? Like there's going to be a whole load of other kind of belittling, threatening, fear-based questions that kind of life chucks at us. I need to come back to be able to answer those questions having first said, you know, that, and it is, listen, it's an individual, me and Jesus. Jesus asking me, Sarah, who do you say that I am? Okay, now let's go and look at that situation in the light of who you've just said that I am. It has to look like something. Just me saying it is not going to cut it. Jesus asked another brilliantly challenging question along this line in Luke 6. Um, he's, he's talking and he says to some people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's an excellent question. Ooh, right? And honestly, like, I don't think there's a single person in this room who, you know, we're trying to follow Jesus the best we know how. I don't think there's a single person in this room who's like, actually, in some ways, Jesus is probably asking me that. Jesus, I say that you're Lord, except over my finances and I'm keeping those well and separate. You know, I say that you're Lord, but actually my sex life is mine and I, that has nothing to do with me. Like I say that you're Lord, but actually I'm going to kind of protect and fight. Whatever that looks like. And so Jesus would say, hey, Sarah, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? And listen, some of those questions, like the immediate answer, I think the first thing to acknowledge is, is not deny it. It's like, oh, yeah. Good question, <laughs> valid question, valid. He's always got a valid point, right? But actually, there might not be a quick answer to that. So in an, any given area of life, so let's talk about finances, for example, right? You see a need and you feel like God's saying, hey, I want you to give, but you're aware, actually, do you know what? My finances are a little bit tight. And we're like, actually, no. So you kind of feel like God's asking you to do something, but, for what, but you don't. Sarah, why do you call me Lord, Lord, including over your finances, and yet you're not doing what I say? And, and I, honestly, I think probably our initial answer is, actually, I'm not sure. Actually, why, why is that? Why do I find it hard to trust God with my finances? Why do I find it hard to be real and vulnerable in relationships? Why do I find it hard to step out and take a risk? Why do I find it hard to go for that promotion at job, at work, or whatever? It, like, why is that? Why do I say, Lord, Lord, and not actually do what he says or expect to see what he says? Why is that? Can you see what I'm saying? How actually good questions aren't a, why are you doing that? As in, stop it. But actually, hey, why, why do you do that? And can we kind of lean in? Can we walk with Jesus a little bit and walk with his friends, which is each other, in terms of, well, why is that? Like, why is that? But it all comes back to being able to answer this question. Jesus wants face to face to look at each one of us and say, hey, Sarah, who do you say that I am? And, and then I can answer it again. And I remind myself of it again. And I, and I walk in the, in the light of that truth into any and every situation, the best and the worst, when I'm absolutely smashing it and when I'm absolutely making a complete mess of things. Who do I say that he is? Because everything else is going to line up after that.
knowing who I am, knowing what I'm here for, walking in the fullness of what God has for me is all in the light of my confession of faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And I, listen, I'm convinced that actually there's always more for us to dig in to that. There's always more. This is what I love, this, you know, this verse in Colossians 2, where, where kind of Paul, it's like he's, he's sort of praying this for the church, isn't he? He's saying, actually, my heart is that your spiritual experience, you know, whether your spiritual experience is zero or whether your spiritual experience is decades of walking as a Christian, doesn't matter. I believe what God has for us this morning, and my prayer for us this morning is that each and every one of us, our spiritual experience will become richer, And the way that happens is as we see more and more fully God's great secret, Jesus himself, because it's in him and in only him that all men will find the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's the deal. All of the answers. And listen, they don't come like straight away. It's not like, you know, Peter was able to answer that one question, who do you say I am? And all of a sudden, every other question he would ever face suddenly downloaded to him. That's not, it's like it's in process. It's in the journey of walking with Jesus. We will find the answer to those questions. It's not in immediate, it's so often in the process. But actually that it's all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge for anything and everything that life throws at us, for any situation we walk through, everything we need is in him and it really is only him. He is the way, the truth, the life and there is no other. It's him, it's always been him. But it's so fully and completely and perfectly him he, that he is always enough. So would you stand? I would love for us to pray for each other. You know, it's Pentecost Sunday this morning, um, which means it's like kind of it's the diary in the church calendar where we remember Pentecost, which is, is the time after Jesus had died and risen again where the disciples were gathered in the upper room and, and kind of for the first time in this new phase of life, actually the presence of God as Holy Spirit just showed up in an undeniably crazy and powerful way. You know, we still live in those days where actually God wants to show up and be real. This beautiful verse in Romans 8, it talks about the Holy Spirit and actually like, says, listen, the, the Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. You know, so everything we read on the pages of the Bible can become real in us, around us, through us, to us, as the Holy Spirit comes and shows up and makes these things real. So I would love, let's, um, let's pray for one another.